Good morning. My name is Lara. My Dharma name is Wan Lasun. The title of my talk may already have reminded you of a well-known quote whose author is unknown to me. When we judge others, we don't so much define them as we define ourselves. I've known for a few months that this would be the topic of my talk today, and so recently, when we listened to three Dharma talks that all deal in some way with non-judgment, I paid close attention. From Michael Macklin's talk on the concept of no-self in Theravada and Mahayana Buddhism, I learned that our notion of ourselves, of I, is not based on our own inner experience, but is solely based on how we think others see us. Reverend Wangong's talk, No Self in the Heart Sutra, explained further that the Buddhist ideal of no self can be considered as a way to transcend any fixed idea of ourselves, which gives us space to find commonality with others rather than taking sides and practice discernment without judgment. Finally, from Reverend Zeyung's talk on absorption of the self-nature, my takeaway was that we can practice and develop the ability to transform negative responses to situations that push our buttons. I'll speak more about these ideas this morning, but really I have tried to base my talk on my own experience and to make it as practical as possible. It's my own how-to to eliminating the everyday garden variety kinds of judgmental thinking that is one of my greatest challenges. My affinity for the Dharma makes it relatively easy for me to absorb the concepts and philosophy of Mahayana Buddhism, but it's when I try to apply the Dharma to my daily life that I can easily lose track of the truth. But I was inspired by Reverend Zeyung's assertion that deep absorption in one's true nature can give us a powerful tool to cut off habitual responses to challenging situations. And so, here is an outline of my challenge to myself to give up judgmental thought. First, it seems to me that in order to meet a challenge, the challenge has to be specifically defined. So, what do I mean by judgmental thought? What I do not mean is discernment. Living in the real world, we have to make decisions constantly in order to exist and function. What food will best nourish me today? How should I speak to a colleague about a problem at work? Should my child be vaccinated when the vaccine is approved? These decisions require us to seek accurate information, to weigh pros and cons, and to consider the desired outcome. What they do not require is for us to insert our ego into the process with its need to bolster our self-image and protect our fragile notions of ourselves. The involvement of the ego turns ordinary decision-making into judgmental thinking. This is the kind of mental sophistry that I'm referring to here. Here are some examples of judgmental thinking from my own experience. They come from a journal that I've kept for the last three months. Here's the first. Does he have to run right up on me while I'm walking and pass me with barely inches to spare? Doesn't he know that COVID can be passed by the particles from his heavy panting? Here's the second. What is wrong with her hair? 
Can't she at least touch up her roots? After all, she is a news anchor on television. It gets worse. My last. It figures that her grocery cart is full of chips and soda. Why else would she be so overweight? And so on. Am I ashamed to share these with you? Of course I am. But I want to be honest about how unhelpful, how ridiculous and petty this kind of thinking is. So I have identified my challenge. We know that, according to psychology, the first step is to look at root causes of behavior in order to eliminate them. In our Buddhist practice, mindfulness and deep understanding can be tools for change. We know that we are conditioned by our environment, including the opinions and thinking of our family, our friends, and society. The recent science of epigenetics also theorizes that we actually inherit emotions from our ancestors and from the environment, including so-called transgenerational trauma. Accordingly, although we are infinitely free, most of us have become prisoners of conditioned reflexes and predictable reactions, habitual and automatic. I can't access knowledge of my inherited emotions and possible trauma, but I only need to remember my mother and her sister to understand where I learned judgmental thought. My mother and aunt were both quite witty, and when they were together, which was often, nothing was safe from their quips. Other women and their fashion choices were especially rich material for their catty comments. Although I couldn't begin to match their verbal wit, I absorbed the thinking that produced it, and it became my habit of thought as well. I should add that my mother was an extremely compassionate person and an emotional support to everyone around her. Who can say why and how she learned to be judgmental? My introduction to judgmental thought was only intensified as I studied music from an early age and on through college. Every note was judged incessantly, and perfection became the impossible aim. Even more than judging the artistry of others, a self-limiting and destructive pattern of self-judgment was formed in those years. I'll come back to this idea later. Now that I had a better understanding of the roots of my judgmental thinking, I looked inward to see the role that my own ego plays in perpetuating it. As I said before, it's the involvement of the ego in our decision-making that produces judgmental thinking. The ego's role is to protect and perpetuate the notion of myself, distinct and unique from others. As it relates to judging others, what I've discovered is that I tend to judge in others what I least like or most fear in myself. I have struggled my whole life to keep my weight under control, and so I am quick to judge others for being overweight, for poor eating habits, and so on. I am terrified of falling into dementia as I grow old, and so I am impatient with others my age who don't challenge their minds through study or acquiring new skills. Remember the title of my talk? My judgments about others are really describing me. So with this deeper understanding of why I am judgmental, what practical steps could I take to eliminate this pattern of thought? 
One of my daily habits is to walk about three miles on a lovely woodsy path. It's a resource in my town that attracts many walkers, hikers, and runners. I decided that this would be my laboratory for trying out different methods of overcoming my judging mind. My first tactic before setting out was simply to say to myself, no judgment. Well, it did remind me of my resolve, but I quickly realized that I needed something less aspirational and more concrete. My snap-second judging thoughts about everyone I passed on the trail were so relentless that I finally resorted to limiting myself to observing only the color of the clothing that they were wearing. Before I could formulate some judgmental thought, I said to myself, blue shorts, green cap, brown t-shirt, red running shoes, and so on. This actually worked. It caught me in the momentary mind gap between initial perception and forming a judgment and let me simply observe in the moment. Another device I used to help escape the judging moment was to reframe the context of my interactions with others. I thought back to my Peace Corps experience in Thailand, where the culture seemed impenetrable and inscrutable to my American way of thinking. I had decided while I served there to try never to judge what I was observing, since I was fairly certain that it was not at all what it seemed. Why shouldn't the same approach work with anyone whose behavior or appearance doesn't fit my own notions of acceptability? This became particularly helpful in my interactions with others whose viewpoints I don't share or whose decisions seem to me wrongly informed. I was moving beyond the laboratory of my morning walks into more interactive territory. It gradually became easier to separate the person from the viewpoint or the decision and gave me more mental space to consider others' points of view. Finally, I decided to create a simple mantra that would serve as an in-the-moment reminder of my insights so far and also as an acknowledgement of a more open acceptance of others. I struggle with self-acceptance as well and have always felt that I somehow need to justify my own existence. Over a long time, I've created a model in my own mind of how I and all other sentient beings exist together to create and sustain a codependent unity. I've imagined an amoeba-like entity comprising all things in the universe in which we sentient beings are like myriad small emanations along its outer edges, constantly probing outward to receive sensations and retracting as we pass them inward to the center. This is the only image that has ever allowed me to make sense of myself. I and everyone and everything here with me is a probing mechanism that the universe uses to experience its own infinite nature. With this model in mind, I created mantras such as you are an emanation of the universe, or better, we are fellow probers of universal thought. So is all this working for me? On my best days when the sun is shining and the planets are aligned, yes. It has now become my habit of thought to appreciate colors, mumble the same thing over and over under my breath, and pretend that I'm living in Thailand. But seriously, my mind is quieter, I feel less alienated, and more a part of a perfectly functioning unity. And what about my self-judgment? 
I said before that this is also part of my habit of judging. Almost every action I take is simultaneously being evaluated by my judging mind. I also feel that everything I do and say is judged by others. Honestly, do I really think that I loom that importantly in others' minds? In a recent conversation with Reverend Wangong, she asked me if I felt judged by others. When I told her that I did, she asked if that's why I don't participate more in group activities at the temple, if it's easier for me to avoid feeling judged by being alone. I replied, well, that doesn't make any difference. If others aren't there to judge me, I'm perfectly willing to do it for myself. Thinking again of the ego's role in judgment, I wonder now if self-judgment isn't the last stronghold of the ego's role in self-preservation. I'll judge myself before others can have a crack at me. Remember what I learned from Michael's talk, that we define ourselves not from our own inner experience, but how we think that others see us? And Reverend Wangong's insight that we can transcend any fixed notion of who we are and open ourselves to acceptance of both ourselves and others? In other words, the self is not a permanent, unchanging thing. It is a moment-to-moment creation of our ego. Rather than feeling that this gives us no leg to stand on, we can use it as the catalyst to move beyond our own limitations and see others as beings who are also endowed with infinite capacity for change and growth. Do you remember my analogy of the amoeba-like universe with all sentient beings as probing fingers? If you found it weird or just plain wacko, that's okay. The point is that we are interrelated far more fully and deeply than we can imagine. My probing intelligence informs the whole and is informed by it as well. But my judgment is not necessary to others' experience of their own existence. We are all creating a chain of cause and effect that creates a universal karma which we can only dimly understand. Judging others and judging myself is like pinning a butterfly to a table. Yes, it will let me examine the butterfly for a moment, but in the next moment, I will be looking at a lifeless shell. I'm continuing to try not to pin others down and to stop impaling my own wings as well. Thank you for letting me share my first steps on this journey with you. I would be very interested to see your comments, especially if you deal with this matter yourselves, in our live chat. Thank you.